Welcome everyone. <laughs> Reminds me of a concert where everyone's rushing the door, you know. <laughs> Suddenly there's a flurry of everyone. <clears throat> As people arrive, let's uh, take a moment to uh, to sit and enjoy the silence and stillness, and the simplicity of being together. As we continue to sit, if your eyes are closed, you might allow them to open just now and then 
even if it's just for a brief blink, and just take in the faces in front of you, which on your screen are embedded in your your room and your life where you are. These people have arrived. And equally, you can allow your eyes to close and attend to just the listening, just the seeing. It's the feel of your own heartbeat. Maybe taking a look again, including those screens that may have a name but no image, which is just fine. Knowing there are people close to us that we maybe can't see or don't see. There are parts of ourselves that we don't want to show or we're shy about showing, she's just fine. Settling into the fullness of our being together. In just a moment, when you hear the bell signal the end of our silent sitting, we will use our voices to intone the verse of the robe, which is our, our custom most of the time. And there are some of you who may be quite unfamiliar with this brief, but uh, a very potent verse. Which suggests that this embedded quality of vast, inconceivable life is what our practice turns us toward. So as you hear my voice, since that's maybe the only voice you'll hear other than your own, if you know the chant, reflect on it in this way. If the words are new to you, we'll repeat them three times, so let them move through you. 
and see what they call forward. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. to listen to the bell continue. There have been such powerful events lately. You know, the, the fires in Lahaina, uh, various disasters around the world, uh, holidays, political things that we've spoken about um, that really can be ignored. Um, and it's uh, my way of uh, inviting you to integrate uh, what we uh, practice into everyday life. Today, I want to follow Dogen's advice to, to take the backward step. Take the backward step that turns your light inward. Uh, so I'm going to do a bit of what I think um, Zen teachers often do. And what, I, what I think I'm, <laughs> part of what I'm supposed to do is to ask questions to encourage that turning one's light inward. A lot of open-ended, deeply important, and probably pretty challenging questions. And I don't want you to answer them, at least not right away. We'll have time for that. I want you to sit with the questions and just follow along with me. And then we'll meet to questions later. And a warning label. Um, I'm going to repeat myself a lot uh, because I need to look and to hear and to feel these things again and again. Uh, part of my practice. So uh, a couple of pointers. Pay attention to everything. These are ones you know. Inside and out, pay attention. Every reaction, every cherished belief that you hold, every personal preference that you notice. Secondly, notice your opinions and preferences. Allow them, they're going to arise, and then do your best not to get stuck on believing anything. Just notice, oh, there's that. And then finally, don't take any of it personally. Just take it seriously. So what if I show up on a Tuesday like today and I really don't have anything to offer? 
what if I don't have anything new or interesting? What if you can feel in yourself that you don't have much, but, but you show up? So here we are left with the questioning, the noticing, the looking, the listening. Can you, can you tolerate this kind of space, this kind of not knowing, this not doing? And of course, I don't just mean tolerate it. Can you appreciate? The spaciousness, the emptiness, the possibility, the groundlessness. And we let things fall apart. because they will anyway. So be honest with yourself and with me. Didn't you expect something when you signed on to Zoom today? We all get into these habits, I, I do, on this side. What were your expectations? I mean, the subtle ones. The ones normally outside of your awareness, but nonetheless, you know, they end up being the ones that are running the show. What have you come to expect on these Tuesdays? And pay attention to your body right now as I'm asking these questions. You might also notice the state of your mind as it receives the questions. What's the quality of your heart? It's important to, to tell the truth, to know the truth, embrace and accept it. Some of those things that run through me is if I don't teach or inspire or God forbid, perform or entertain? Am I letting you down? Maybe I'm losing it, maybe I'm falling apart. Maybe you think these things. Maybe I'm coming to another turn in the road, which means more loss. The end of something that you've clung to. Maybe I'm diminished or even in some people's view of failure if I, if I don't keep it up. When I don't have an interesting idea, a fresh inspiration, a new opening, something really good to offer week after week, then what happens? What are we going to do? Can you become intimate with the space that opens with that question and what this spaciousness makes possible? I 
maybe what we're doing is closer to the aliveness of an infant exploring the world. You don't even have to call it practice, which immediately conveys ideas about effort, a self doing something, attainment. And we just arrive with wholehearted attention, like with, with some concentration and focusing, which is totally organic for a, a child, not a chore. All you have to do is catch the eye of an infant close by in a restaurant, and they look, they peek over the chair. They're not trying to concentrate. It's natural. And then along with that is the wonderment and awe, which is expansive and open and limited, limitless. Can that be present in the space? The space that in which we're experimenting with open-hearted attention. And both of these dimension simultaneously of a soft focused attention and vast expanding awareness. Very human animals we are and there are times when you or I might simply be tired or overwhelmed or confused. There are times when I feel down or depressed or maybe I'm grieving, maybe just quiet. I like when I said quiet and John smiled. But none of these are really what I'm I'm questioning. There are things, these are things to attend to. Our tiredness, our overwhelm, our quietness, our confusion. To be curious about, to sit with. What if we just, what if we're just emptied? Without abandoning curiosity. What if we've come to the end of our rope? When all your stories have fallen away, what's there when you when you step out beyond the ground of the predictable every day into new territory? Even beyond what we call practices, which can ultimately also be conditioned manager activities geared to making a better life and one that we call spiritual. This kind of space is um, I first encountered it mostly in longer retreats because longer retreats offer something that nothing else does. It, you know what Joko would call the manufactured crisis. In the space, in the container of a retreat, not, not harmful or violent, she doesn't mean that, but one that confronts us because most of what I'm talking about are qualities of sitting in zazen, facing a wall, And you, you've heard me use the term that Suzuki Roshi would use. He said it's like placing a snake in a bamboo tube. These retreats, it's every wiggle to move in ordinary ways, in habitual ways, to get out of a container is met with a barrier very quickly. It shows us something that we might not know in any other way. The ways we try to wiggle out of the present moment but it actually helps us turn our light inward. Can we keep turning in this way? Pema Chodron's first book was titled The Wisdom of No Escape. What's so wise about becoming curious 
about your prison cell. Is there freedom there? Can we soften these habits that help us feel more comfortable and at ease temporarily? But what happens when we gently set aside consolation as the goal of practice? And I don't mean abandoning kindness and compassion and steadfastness, but I mean real care. The kind of care in this space where we ask more of each other in a wholesome manner that we than we might ask of ourselves. And this takes courage and the willingness to meet these kinds of questions and a courage because each moment in this way is going to feel more naked and undefended or at least more open to see clearly the ways we're contracted and defending and but looking with curiosity and a real kind of clear care not with judgment respectfully meeting all of our defenses and protectors which now become objects of this kind of awareness rather than the filters through which we see everything else And these filters are what we usually call reality. It's just our perspective. What if we can meet these parts with kindness and with these kinds of penetrating, liberating questions? Because turning towards more intimacy with our protectors and our managers isn't because they're a problem. It's just being human but because awakening is actually our true nature, the natural state of awakening. It can't be contained or sustained in anything that we create to help ourselves or anybody else. It's not constructed, it's, it's natural and it's always available. So as you attend to your breath right now, maybe, as it comes and goes, and with whatever these questions are doing in you right now, this is the vulnerable embodied experience of impermanence. Right now, when we're on the edge, when there aren't any uh, guardrails or safety nets or parachutes, nothing to save us or protect us from the empty fullness that each moment offers. And we feel ourselves falling because the floor is beginning to collapse. Can we allow the falling rather than contracting back into the habits to save ourselves? How is this possible? And is it even wise? What are you afraid of? What do you stand to lose? Are we really in danger right now if I don't have any content at teaching a story, a poem, a personal reflection? Nothing insightful or inspirational. Can this be a way to save me from just being myself? Just as I am, just, just this. Maybe there isn't any anything other than just the shared loving presence, which is a manifestation of the natural state. But I know sometimes as I do allow myself to move into that space, I can feel a creeping terror <laughs> or a tilting like I'm going to fall into a disaster. 
But if I can have the willingness to meet you as best I can, and to meet my own fear and falling, to share vulnerability, even terror and uncertainty, then the meeting itself opens to possibilities beyond what we can really conceive of in some nice, concise teaching, a mystery, the mystery full of potential that you don't control and I don't control. And then maybe there's the gateway to spaciousness, which we chanted about boundlessness, completeness, which all the teachings point to. So sitting like this in the questions themselves is the immediate raw experience of the teachings directly. Not hearing about the teachings or sharing the old stories or reciting the Dharma. Those are all wonderful and necessary and I will continue to do them. And they arrive quite beautifully right now. And they can help and guide, but sometimes they don't. Or they're not available and we're still called to be with each other as fully as we can. With as much willingness as you can embody. With as much attention as you can bring to each moment. With as much open-heartedness as you can be with as much kindness and gentleness and generosity that you're able to, to find, as patient as possible with yourself and with others. You know that old saying, when the going gets tough, and then there's some joke at the end of that, you know? When the going gets tough, the tough do what? Remain still and attentive and open. The place where we would normally begin to construct ourselves. Instead, we begin to see that it's like this, um, it's like flimsy, um, like when you've burned a piece of paper and it still seems together and all you have to do is barely breathe on it and it disappears, falls apart. And really being with the raw stuff of the moment doesn't even need identification or labeling. This is going to the end of everything you know. And what's beyond that? Beyond that horizon? That imaginary boundary which you think is a destination but you don't ever achieve. You don't ever arrive. And because we're human, there's this wanting. And so can the wanting be there just like the heartbeat? Just like the breath? Just hear it. Feel it. Wanting, wanting, wanting. It's like the pulse of human vulnerability. Without getting too caught in the content, the particular objects we imagine that's going to make us happy, wanting to wake up, wanting to be loved, wanting to know what to do, wanting the inner judge to finally stop, and on and on and on. Wanting the end of, of suffering, and you want world peace, want more sex, wanting to stop wanting, wanting to stop wanting. <clears throat> so I'll follow Darcy's lead, and now ask, what are, those are my questions, what are your questions?
man. Thank you. Thank you for showing me what it's like to enter the space that I'm describing, even though you didn't want to. That's right. And I, uh, you know, when, when you don't think you have anything to offer, that's when you offer the most. And I feel like that's what you just did. And I had to thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank it's, you. I really appreciate that and I really take it in. And, and of course, it's making me think of those moments where I wanted to offer something and attempted to offer something and Keb would say, no, not because she, she wouldn't let it come in, because she knew it was bullshit or something, it was off. Not, she wasn't critical. And she's like, no. She asked more of me. Yeah. And now you. And I, of course, wish that she had taken it to heart and realized she did have something to offer, even when she didn't feel it, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I think she, and, in some ways, I just think that she could tolerate it. It's a lot to tolerate. Yeah. <laughs> It is. Thanks for being with me in it. So today, it's just been a day that I didn't, uh, it's just such, I just feel it so deeply. It's a deep, deep, deep sadness. And sometimes it doesn't lift, you know? And at those times, I feel like I don't have anything, you know, to offer. Okay. And I went about my day and, oh, I didn't do this. I, I went to my Qigong and, I mean, I was bawling in my car right before I got there. And I got there and I saw the faces of people. It just okay. made me fall in love with them, each one. And I didn't realize it until you started speaking that, you know. That's why I asked you to look at the faces in the beginning. But I had to offer. Yeah. <laughs> so. I just wanted to thank you for your presence today. Cassie. There are a few times when I feel like I get to offer back to you. And when those opportunities arise, just so much energy and so much love comes forward. Um, I remember after you had come back from um, like that LA orchestral thing and where you were then. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the first question was, what do I expect when, you know, we come here? And my first thought was I don't expect anything. And then I like went deeper into it. And 
And I think that what came back was that I expect to be taken out of myself for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And um, what I think you offer is presence. When you just show up, like it really doesn't matter what gets spoken about. You know, one of the first things you said was look at the little squares. You've invited all of these people into your room. And I was just like, oh, my God, yes. You know, all of those squares are here and touching and holding. And, you know, that that universal concept of loneliness that we get as soon as the umbilical cord is gone. You know, this this is that cord. I, and then you express that presence back. Yeah. In, in some ways, these 20 some odd years we've been together, you've um, apprenticed yourself to presence. Yeah, most definitely. Different, uh, different church than you grew up in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tiny bit. And it was their longing. It was their longing. Absolutely. It was their longing. And they gave me a spiritual inheritance and a uh, and the knowledge that there was something there to touch. Right. You're just waiting for a vehicle for it. Yeah. It turns out it's this presence. So I've forgotten all the other things I wanted to say. I had like a little list of them. So look, just look. Oh, oh, I can't gallery view because we're here. That's okay. Yeah, just look. That's everything. We have Eric. He's back. I'm back. Hello again. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that was that was powerful, and um, I'm reminded of last week with the, I don't know what word Emily Dickinson used, but the absence of the witch does not diminish. Validate mm -hmm. the spell. <laughs> uh, the Emily Dickinson poem. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, absence of the witch does not invalidate the spell. The absence of the witch does not invalidate the spell. Um, I remember the one of the, I think it was actually the very first time we met. I'd been working with Peg Syverson for quite some time before we crossed paths. And that was the first thing you said to me is, uh, oh, haven't haven't crossed paths yet. And I remember the feeling of feeling like I was kind of meeting a rock star, you know, for the first time. <laughs> I had this whatever image in my mind, you know, of the other teacher at Apamana, uh, the other founder. Uh, and it's funny that you started this talk today with, oh, it's it, while we're all showing up. It's like the last minute rush at a, at a concert, you know. Um, but then whenever you started talking and realizing kind of the mood of of the talk, I felt a very large sense of relief. Like I remember in the beginning of the talk when you said that, the um, like everyone rushing the door to concert, I, my mind immediately thought like, and I thought it before, you know, with your perfectionist kind of, um, you've mentioned in other intensives, you're, you're wanting to perform and Put out a, a good you know show for people and, and that that tendency that you have and when you came at it today the way you came at it i was immediately felt a sense of relief like a, just a deep relaxed he doesn't need to be perfect he doesn't need to be formed he's, he's offered so much in the world get you know cheered up thinking about it just you know even despite not having been fully engaged, you know, with Apamana for 
several years, um, that turn, that flying back and the moments melting away and then seeing you today and, and you know, in this way, um, yeah, it was just a, a deep and, and utter and profound, relaxed sense of, of presence. Mm. Yeah, absence. So, that doesn't invalidate the spell. It's still alive in you. Yeah. All those years ago when we finally did cross paths, <laughs> the spell was cast, the melting started, and, and that, you just showing that, up. That, no. that old story I told last time about uh, Union, you remember about it, it'll be hard not to meet. After you're yeah. gone, it'll be hard to meet again. No, it'll be hard not to meet. Yeah. In each other. Yeah. So, and I hope that it helps uh, you relax also, not just me relax, but you relax. Yep. That's that's the, the sensation I felt. <laughs> so thank you. So much. I'm so glad to see you again. Likewise. Afternoon. Hey Mike. Oh, so good to see you and so good. I appreciate the shares from Darcy and Cassie and Eric. Um Eric kind of nailed sort of the feeling I had. Um the possibilities was a word that someone shared with me one time when I was caught up in the angst of, of what's the next thing look like and existential fears were setting in. And his response was, what about the possibilities? And when you were sharing about sort of taking away the expectations and what would be left, and for some reason, I too had this open feeling um my heart opened and my posture sort of rose up and it was like comfortable to be in a place where i wasn't so to speak dependent upon something being delivered to me and it really felt comfortable and i really appreciate that you know then anything is possible then you though yeah yeah and and it it um so I too want to say thank you. And um I think it's so beautiful over my my years of knowing you and this community and um and feeling your humanity is is such an important thing. Um one of my lessons in life was not to put people on a pedestal because it can be a disservice to them right. and a dependency on my part. And and, and then I'm I'm attached yeah. and I can break that by seeing your humanity and appreciating you as the most beautiful person. And so thank you. Right back at you there. You know, it's, I, because I know that you understand what it's like and so many levels, not only just as a father and, you know, family head, but your company and, and then also your uh, martial arts, there's, there's ways in which you know what it's like to, feel yourself pulled into those positions of expectation and performance. Yeah. And it's the most beautiful gift of even teaching without expectations. I had an experience in July. I went to Canada and we had like 350 people participating in a training and my favorite time. teach children and the openness and the receptiveness on their part and you know it was just wonderment much wonderment anyway like that yeah anyway thank you so much and thank you for the previous right. shares absolutely but <clears throat> Here we are. There you are. <laughs> Excellent. Um, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for showing up. And thank you, Flint, for showing up in this way today. Really needed to hear that. I guess that's what my expectation was. I, that's something I need to hear, right? Whatever that is. I never know what that is. But it's funny because I've been hearing this same thread for the past several weeks. And I, uh, from fellow Sangha members, I think most recently was Kim Mosley, who said to me, 
wonder what you would be like if you weren't so active, if you weren't constantly trying to please other people and do for others, and if you couldn't talk anymore. Do you know what my response was? I'm about to tell you. Oh, kill me now. <laughs> that was my part saying, I cannot imagine not having these mechanisms to hold what I consider a life together. Yeah. And so I was left with that because I didn't really mean literally kill me now, but I thought, what if? Kind of. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And then I started thinking, but I already do that, just not 24-7. I sit in silence in Zazen and during intensives, not moving. And I try not to get in other people's way by taking over their jobs and just letting everyone be who they are. Um, so I'm getting some practice at it. And um, it brought up another question. This whole process of what would your life be like if you couldn't be or do X, Y, Z? And the questions that came up were, what would my life look like if I didn't live in constant shame and fear? That's a big one for a lot of us. Yeah. What would I do or not do anymore if I didn't live in constant shame and fear? And what energies would be available to you that are bound up in protection against those? Do you know, that's exactly it, Flint. The answer that came up just bubbled up was your life would look very much the same. They would just come from a different energy. That's right. It's just thought, a shift in perspective. Yeah. yeah. And I thought how lovely because I love doing the things I do. I don't love having to do them as I've often done them from shame or fear. Right. Yeah. So and there are moments where you might be afraid. And we can learn just not to be afraid of being afraid. I mean, I know that sounds funny, but you're human, so that will happen. But it doesn't have to be the thing that, around which everything else gets organized. Right. Oh, I'm afraid. Oh, there's shame. But the one who says that isn't caught in the shame or the fear. And that first step is enormous. It has been very helpful. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Flynn. Thanks, Nelda. Rosemary. Hi, Flint. No. So, um, in your speaking today about coming forward, um, maybe without a teaching, um, I um, have been asked to do a way seeking mind talk later in in October. And um, it's really a challenge for me to, as I, I haven't stopped writing or anything, but just um, it's there in my, I'm, I'm saying it in my mind, you know, and telling. And, and kind of pause a second, there are um, uh, probably a lot of people here who don't know what that is. Oh, okay. Do you mind just saying what you understand sure. it to be? Sure. What I understand it to be is so on, on Sundays, occasionally someone in the Sangha, instead of having a Dharma talk from a teacher, will um, uh, tell uh, the story of how they came to Zen Buddhism, mm -hmm. basically. And um, tell your story. What's that? Tell your story, your spiritual history, your yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. And um, I, you know, I've thought of it many ways of like kind of coming to the group the way you have today and said, you know, well, I'm not really sure, um, but um, I know you all, many of you pretty well, and uh, it's really about you too, not just about me. Um, in fact, it's really about us. <laughs> I thought of the, t the TV show, This Is Us. No. So like, this is us. And, um, and, you know, there are times when, you know, I've, I'm, I'll be 77 next month. There's a lot of life there. So a lot of stories and I could, I could really entertain. And that's. Um, yeah, that part would be easy. And it's a way that you know how to get love. Yeah, or it's certainly attention. 
Um, the tension, yeah, yeah. I mean, we all do. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, just trying to find a way to, um, as I said to you yesterday, make this an offering and and not a performance, mm -hmm. um, and just um, being open to um, letting everybody into other areas of my life um, that I don't know about yet, and. Um, being open about it and um yeah the feeling of of i've got to have something is really is pretty powerful um i've been i'm right at the end of finishing my rakasu but i will not be finished in time for the um ceremony and that was very hard it was the best thing for me to keep at the pace that i was at and um allow my co-soists to go forward and um, complete um, and to be at my pace. Yeah, find your own time. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I do very much appreciate what you did today. I think it takes a lot of courage. I, I was actually thinking about this today, Flint, mm -hmm. like, what am I, what are we doing and what, you know, is Flint going to, like, we're here, like, he's going to give us something, and do I need to get my notepad out? And, and I thought, that's, that's a lot, a lot to expect and a lot um, for you to feel that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's really different, and I appreciate it very much. When you were talking about what it's like to give the Way Seeking Mind talk and the way you wanted to come forward, and now what you're speaking, it just reminded me of, uh, my my friend Grace Sherenson, who some of you know, was an author and a, a a priest in her lineage that I know well. And one of her recent books is entitled "Naked in the Zendo," and so it's sort of a shocking kind of title in a certain way, but it also speaks to I think what we're touching on. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rosemary. <clears throat> We're coming to the end of our our time for today, and of course the four practice principles, which we'll now uh, chant together, uh, reminds us of uh, of the direction that uh, that we're, we're guided if we give ourselves the space and don't work on just habit patterns. Like what is each moment going to offer us? So let's uh, let's say together, <clears throat> caught in a self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you. Thank you so much, Flint. Thank you for showing up and sitting amongst us all again. <laughs> and with such an open heart, I could really feel the vulnerability and openness and it's, it's sitting in me. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. And if you'd like to offer Dana to Flint, then please do go to appamada.org forward slash contribute and there you'll find lots of opportunities to offer your support <clears throat> for, for all the events that, that happen at Appamada and the teachers. Thank you all so much for, for being here. And if you'd like to continue to, to be amongst, then please do pop yourself into gallery view and I'll join you for a further 30 minutes. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you again, Flint. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Apart from you that are staying.